0: And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, the last three months have been interesting, haven't they? I think that's probably an understatement. (laughs) Uh, They've been interesting. They've been different. They've been weird. And maybe for you, they've been difficult. Maybe the the last three months of all that's been going on has been maybe frightening. It's been a lot of adjusting. uh, And maybe even it's been awful. It's been a nightmare and you're ready for this to be over. So as I was thinking the last several weeks about how weird things have been lately and how things are beginning to move slowly back to how we knew things, I don't know if thing I don't know if everything will ever be how it was four months ago, um, but we'll, we'll see. And so in thinking about how strange the last three months have been, maybe how scary they've been, how difficult they may have been for some of you, uh, this this two week mini series just sort of grew from thinking about that the series is called next and i want to share with you at the outset here what the main idea is what the what the main point is for the next two weeks here it's simply this life is not just about what happens to you but about how you respond to it life is not just about what happens to you but is about how you respond to it you see life is active not passive Life isn't just a series of things or events, it's part of it, but life is really a set of decisions, a set of reactions, a set of responses. Life is not just what happens to you, it's about what, how you respond to it, what you do with it. Life is not just about now, but it's also about what's next, which is why we're calling this series Next as we're kind of in this phase, moving back into our restart as a church, as different pockets of society move back, like maybe you weren't working and now you are, maybe you were working at home, now you're back at your, at your normal workplace, as certain things begin to go back to normal or what is next, it got me thinking about what that means for our lives. And as I was thinking about how difficult the last few months may have been, I thought of this strange idea, it really comes from scripture, so I don't want to call it too strange, I don't want to get struck by lightning, but it's this idea that we're going to look at today that we're going to call directional suffering. Today we're going to look at this idea of directional suffering. We'll talk more about suffering in a second, but when I use the word suffering, I'm going to use that in a pretty broad way, it's a broad term. And we're not comparing our suffering to somebody else. Well, what I thought was difficult or was a setback or was hard or heartbreaking or what was a loss for me is nothing compared to them. That's not what we're doing. We, we want to use it in a broad term. We want to make it a very personal thing. So I want you to think about maybe even this season with this quarantine, with this virus has been somewhat of a suffering time for you. Maybe all the adjustments have been so overwhelming. Maybe you cracked under the pressure. Maybe you were just so frozen with fear you didn't know what to do. Maybe you got angry and you just had been terrible to live with. And your spouse and kids are like, yes, please go back to the office. Yes, please go out and do some shopping. You know, I don't know what it is. But maybe you've even suffered. I know that there have been at least three different families associated with our church during this quarantine who have lost a family member, not due to the virus, but just due to other circumstances. So there's been some suffering. There's been some loss. I know some of you have been without a job or you've reduced your income or gone without income for an extended period of time. That's suffering. There's a loss there. There's a setback there. There's disappointment there. Uh, And so you've you've experienced somewhat of some suffering during this time. And here's the fact. Whether or not you've suffered because of the virus, because of this quarantine, because of what's been going on, there's still stuff that goes on in your life despite all of that, okay? So we can't escape problems. We can't escape difficulty. And we'll talk more about that here in just a minute. But that's the suffering part. But what's, what's directional suffering, maybe you might ask? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're going to get into this scripture here in Romans chapter 5 as as our main uh, source here, our main text this morning is Romans 5 verses 1 through 5. It talks about suffering and pain and loss, even tragedy, uh, some kind of setback or difficulty in our lives that we might face, but it talks about a direction that that leads us toward. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5, and it says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance— And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So as we talk about directional suffering, we're going to look through this passage for a few minutes and say, where does suffering take us? Where does it lead us? Where do we go from here? What do I do with my suffering? What what do I what, what do I do about my suffering? There is a direction that we can follow, as we see here in Romans chapter five. The first step, if you will, in this directional suffering is suffering. Okay, we've already talked about it for a minute, so I won't be on this point too long but we have to acknowledge the existence of suffering. And again, don't don't compare your suffering to others. Yes, there are comparative, there are comparisons to make. Some is some are worse than others, but here's the deal. All trials that you face are really real to you, aren't they? All difficulty that I face is really real to me. It may not be as difficult as somebody else's difficulty, It may not be as much suffering as somebody else's, but it's still difficult. There still is some amount of suffering, loss, pain, heartache, setback, sadness that we all face. We must acknowledge that. And so we have to, again, acknowledge that. So let me just get right to the second point because I've already talked about suffering. Uh, The next step in our suffering, as we see here in Romans chapter 5, is endurance. Is endurance. The next step in this suffering Uh, this directional suffering is endurance there's a famous phrase that life is a marathon not a sprint i would say that's partially accurate i would say that would be true if there were no problems in life if there if you just run through a marathon life yeah you get tired yeah you want to quit and you don't whatever okay What it's more like is this. Life is really, with all of its problems and trials and difficulty and suffering, life is more like a marathon with hurdles, okay? Because things come at you that you must overcome. Things keep coming. It's not just the one thing. It's many things over the course of your life. Hurdle after hurdle after hurdle that you must learn to overcome. And as you do that, you build that endurance. You get stronger, okay? But there's a better analogy that I have for life, and that is life is really like a decathlon, okay? Life is a decathlon, and a decathlon is 10 events, right? We know that, but it's, these 10 events are done in two days, there's endurance required, extreme endurance required to do a decathlon. Ten events, not in ten days, not in ten weeks, in two days, these ten grueling events. And they test you in different areas. Some, you have to be fast. It's a speed event. Some, it's an endurance. You have to run over a mile. The final, the final event in a decathlon of the second grueling day is nearly a mile-long run, the 1,500 meters. You have to have endurance and pace yourself along the way to overcome these these different challenges, these different events. And life is like that because there are ten different events. Not every trial that you face is the same, is it? Not every difficulty that you have to overcome is exactly the same, is it? Maybe it is a broad jump. Maybe it is a hundred-meter hurdles. Maybe it is a 1,500-meter dash. We don't know. Everything is different. And like a decathlon life sometimes will throw things at you at the same time like maybe you had difficulties like we said during this quarantine during this pandemic right now but you already had issues you already had problems you already had difficulty and this just piled on more of them life is really like a decathlon but like a decathlon life is a composite score okay it's not just if you do terribly at one of the events you're out of the running not necessarily And just like in life, you may have handled one difficulty at one part of your life beautifully. I mean, perfectly. I mean, you handled that thing like it wasn't even a problem. You just brushed that thing off. You flicked that, you know, little bug off, and it was no problem. But then this one comes along, this other problem or difficulty comes, and you just don't know what to do, and you are failing at it hardcore. If we don't quit, like in the decathlon, if we don't quit, if we give it our best effort, it's a composite score. The goal, really, in life is just... Finish as strong as possible, and that comes through endurance. We don't want to to face suffering. We don't want to endure suffering, but we must. And the more that we do it, and the more different ways that we are come at with this suffering, the more endurance that we build, and really the better we get at it, if we're honest. We don't want it, but we get better at it. Then really the next step, as Romans 5 says, in this process of directional suffering, after after we endure suffering, is character. Character is the next step in directional suffering. And there's two, two ways that we see this happen. The first thing is to simply understand that endurance builds character. That's true. Endurance builds character. Maybe a different way to say that would be this. The more you overcome the more you become. The more you overcome, the more you become. That's true in life. As you build that endurance, your character is strengthened. You grow stronger. Uh, You you grow, you know, I can do more of this. Uh, I can do this. And it gets you ready for the next hurdle, the next event in the decathlon of life that is yet to come. We grow stronger. We grow more resilient in our character over time. But secondly, and I think more importantly, is that as we build endurance, it also reveals our character. Endurance reveals our character. Uh, Peter writes this in 1 Peter. He describes this perfectly. Here's what he says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Peter says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So Peter is showing us here, endurance doesn't just build your character along the way. Yes, it does but it also reveals character. It kind of reveals that your character is building along the way. A great historical example of this is Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, the uh, 26th president of the United States. So he endured unimaginable suffering early in his life. So early in his 20s, he was a New York assemblyman in the local government there. And while he's there, it's in February of, this is 1884, in February he gets a telegram that his wife has just given birth to their first child, it's a daughter, and she's named after the mother, Alice. So he rushes home, he gets there early in the morning on February the 14th, Valentine's Day of 1884, and what he finds is horrific. He discovers that while there is joy in the house from his first child, his daughter being born, both his mother and his wife are dying. He goes in to see his mother at 3 a.m. on February the 14th, 1884. Teddy Roosevelt's mother, still in her 40s, dies. They thought she just had a cold, but uh, it turned out she had typhoid fever. She died suddenly, unexpectedly, uh, in their home. And then 12 hours later, his wife dies. Turns out she had kidney disease. They thought some of the symptoms that she had been complaining about and talking about were from her pregnancy. But it turned out her kidneys were shutting down. And she died Twelve, she died two days after giving birth to their first child. And 12 hours after, Teddy Roosevelt's mother died in the same home. That's suffering beyond anything I can imagine. He is so grief-stricken that he can't even think about raising his daughter at the time. And so he basically gives up his daughter, his two-day-old daughter, to his sister. He can't even say her name, Alice, because of the pain from losing his wife. And as he writes in his his diary entry, his journal entry from that day, February fourteenth, eighteen 1884, simply is an ex- With the words following, the light has gone out of my life. He is so stricken by grief and just so horrified, he can't stand it. So then a couple days later is a double funeral that he endures. And two days later, he goes back to work. He thinks, I'm going to push through it. I'm going to be strong, but he just can't do it. He tries for several weeks, even a couple months, and he just goes deeper and deeper into depression. He discovers that summer i just need time away and so what he does for about the next two years he goes off onto this ranch that he owns in the badlands of of south dakota and he lives there and learns to ranch and basically becomes a cowboy or what he would begin to call himself a rough rider uh, and during this time of suffering he works through endurance and his, he, his character is built and it reveals really who we know him to be he was early on he was brash he was loud he was opinionated he was strong-willed but nothing like what he was as we know him as president theodore roosevelt and that character time, that character building that character revealing time was in that two-year stint out west In the Badlands on this ranch, he learned how to do the things that an outdoorsman would do, uh, that a cowboy would do. He gains skills, he gains confidence, he finds his voice. He really finds himself through suffering. He found himself, and his character was built and revealed. He even said later on he would never have been able to become president, would never have been able to be president, if not for that two-year time out West. And it was because of suffering. And he became... And so then after two years, back in, uh, in 1886... He gets back to work and he works through the ranks of the government until just 14 short years later, he becomes the vice president. And then just a few months later, when President McKinley is assassinated, he becomes the president of the United States. And all that came from, according to him, through the resilience that was built and through the character that was built and it was revealed through his personal suffering. We don't want to build character that way. We don't want to reveal our character that way. But that's many times how it happens is through our suffering. The next step in this directional suffering is this. It's joy. So endurance leads to character and character leads to joy. And as followers of Jesus, we can and we should experience joy even through suffering. It is possible. Now, what does joy really mean? What is biblical joy? Well, pastor and author Rick Warren gives a great definition of biblical joy, and here's what he says. Here's how he defines true joy. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise god in every situation i think the key word there is ultimately ultimately joy is this assurance that ultimately everything is going to be all right i don't know how i don't know when i don't know where but ultimately joy is really faith joy is this assurance that god has everything under control and everything is going to be all right. And I choose to praise God. I choose to remain in joy and have joy even through suffering. There's a difference between joy and happiness. And I was going to mention this anyway, but it just so happened that earlier this week I was listening to a podcast, and one of the guests, I had no idea this was going to be on there, but one of the guests on the podcast was a social scientist named Arthur Brooks. And he's written a book and actually has a podcast about happiness, and he, said, he talked about happiness, and I thought, wow, that's just along the lines of what I was thinking and prepping for this message this weekend. He talked about how happiness is so hard to control. Happiness, we have little to no control over our own happiness. So he breaks it down this way. Based on his study and research and experience, he says this, happiness is 50% genetic. It's just happenstance. of happiness is circumstantial. It's a bunch of ifs. If I can accomplish this, I'll be happy. If this happens, I can find happiness in it. If this breaks my way, then I'll be happy. He says the other 25% of happiness are our habits and decisions. He says at most, we only have about 25% control over if we're happy or not, or what we find happiness in, or how long we're happy. But joy is different. If joy is truly in God and from God, it's completely dependent upon God. Joy is completely dependent upon God, and he never fails. So we can always have joy in God, even through suffering. This is true in another historical example. You probably know this story, and it's about a man named Horatio Spafford. So in 1873, he he was a businessman in Chicago. They'd just come through the Great Chicago Fire a couple of years earlier. In 1873, he decides to go on a family vacation in uh, England across the Atlantic Ocean. And so he's finishing up some business, and so he sends his wife and four daughters on a boat first to England, he's going to catch up with them sometime later. Well, he gets a telegram one day to his horror from his wife The telegram simply says, saved alone. What had happened is the boat that his wife and four daughters were on had been struck by another boat in the middle of the Atlantic and it had sunk. All four of his daughters died at sea. Only his wife remained alive. He got this telegram, saved alone. So he immediately travels over across the Atlantic, but being a man of faith, he had joy even through suffering. And as he's crossing, the story goes, as he's crossing about the same place where his daughters perished, he writes the words to the hymn, it is well with my soul. He says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when things are great, when sorrows like sea billows roll, when things are tragic, he says, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. This man suffered loss again I could never begin to imagine, yet somehow he was able to experience true joy even through his suffering. Joy is possible through suffering, and here's why it's possible. I kind of cheated on you a little bit because step one that we talked about is really not step one. There's a step before step one, and it's key. The first part of this process, this directional suffering is actually peace. The first actual step in directional suffering is peace. Really, this reveals how directional suffering is possible in the first place. We find it in verse 1. So verses 3 and 4 basically are the other steps of this directional suffering. But the first real step to make this possible is in verse 1. Let's look at it one more time. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Here is how all of this, here's how joy is possible in suffering. Here's how endurance and character is possible in suffering because of peace. Here's what it is. If we have peace with God, we can have peace in God. That's what Romans 5, 1 tells us. If we have peace with God, we can have peace in God. This is all about having a relationship with God through Jesus. We are at peace with God. This makes all the difference in your life. Now, this does not end suffering or pain or heartache or disappointment or setbacks or problems. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ is not in suffering, but it helps you through suffering. It directs you through suffering. It makes directional suffering possible. You see, without peace, that can only be found in God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, your suffering will be directionless. It will be pointless. You may not be able to withstand it. But, with peace, that is possible. Without the first step, peace with God, to have peace in God, I don't believe the final step of this process is even possible. Joy. I don't believe you're going to find joy through suffering without having peace in God that comes through peace with God. It's not possible. If you skip the first real step, peace with God, to find peace in God, you're never going to find joy. So you're your suffering will be directionless. You might make it, you might grit your teeth, you might claw through life, but it's going to feel directionless, it's going to feel pointless, it's going to be so agonizing and so painful, there isn't going to be much joy in your life. But if you can find peace in God, by finding peace with God, through a relationship with Jesus, you can have direction even through suffering. Now, I don't want anyone to suffer, okay? Okay but we're going to. I don't want you to have problems and pain and setback, but you will. So if we're going to suffer, let's make it directional. Let's make it purposeful. Let's let the end of the road of suffering be joy by starting the starting line of this decathlon of life that includes suffering and hurdles. It has to include peace in God through that relationship with Jesus, that is the only way I believe you'll find joy, even through suffering. I want your suffering and my suffering to lead to joy in the end because we're being led by Jesus all the way. That's the secret to directional suffering and true peace and true joy in your life. Let's pray. God, I know that the last several months have been difficult. I know that life is difficult. I know that pain is real. I know that loss is real. I know that tragedy happens. I know that difficulty happens. It's not easy. Life is difficult. And on our own, it's nearly impossible. However, if we can find peace with you through a loving relationship with you through your son, Jesus, we can find peace in you that through our suffering through our endurance, through our character building and revealing, we can ultimately find joy even through suffering, even despite suffering. True joy is possible through the worst of times, through the worst of circumstances, if we have peace in and through and with you. That relationship with you is everything. The hope that we have with you is everything. It leads to true, lasting, unspeakable joy, unexplainable joy. It's possible even through the worst of sufferings, even through the worst of problems and difficulty. True joy is possible as we live a life full of peace in and through and with you and your son, Jesus Christ. So I pray peace for those watching and listening today. I pray that as we endure suffering, we would grow. I pray that as our character is revealed, it would grow. And I pray that through all of that, we would experience joy as we experience peace in and through you. That's my prayer. Not that we want suffering, not that we wish for it for us or anyone, but that we know it's bound to happen. So if it's going to happen, let's hit it head on, full steam ahead with peace and joy in our lives. You leading us and guiding us and directing us through any suffering that we face, directional suffering, not directionless, hopeless suffering, but directional suffering through peace and joy that can only be found through you and your son, Jesus. And I thank you for it, that it's possible. And I prayed upon everyone here today in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you so much, and I'm so glad that you hung out with us this weekend. I know it was a little long, a lot to get through, but exciting days are ahead. I hope you're excited about the changes that are coming with our restart, and I hope to see you for the final exclusive online week of First Century Church Online as we finish up this series next week. Next. Love you. Hope to see you next weekend. Have a great week. God bless you.